Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're talking about bad debt versus good debt. How to understand the difference and what is the difference for property investors. Now, for most of us, we've been told for a good part of our life that having debt is bad. And if you've been listening to the Property Academy podcast for a while, you might have heard us say that as well. But I tell you what, Andrew, we've sometimes had investors who have paid off their personal mortgages and then they don't want to use debt for their investment properties. And one of the mindset shifts that we've got to get these investors to go through is to realise that some debt is good and some debt is bad. And there's nothing worse in the world than a little bit of bad debt, but there's nothing better in the world than a whole heap of the right type of debt. So walk us through what is bad debt? Well, bad debt's the debt that you use to buy stuff that goes down in value. So things like a car. So borrowing to buy a car or a car loan or going and buying a watch on a credit card or buying a dress on Afterpay. You will have done a few of those. Oh, I knew you were going to. I paused for you. Going and getting a lounge suite on higher purchase, even if it's interest-free, or going on holiday and putting it as a personal loan. This is all borrowing for personal consumption and you're probably going to end up paying interest on it while it goes down in value. Yeah, so for example, if you take out $10,000 or $5,000 to go on a holiday, at the end of that, what have you got? You've got five grand worth of debt and no asset, but you're possibly paying, for example, 10% interest on it. Not a good financial decision. But what about good debt? How would you define that? Well, that's the debt that you use to buy stuff that makes you money, so an actual asset. So things like an investment property, things like education, so a student loan, or maybe if you're borrowing money to buy a business for a business loan. Okay, but what about your personal mortgage? We haven't talked about somebody taking out money to buy their own home yet. That one's a bit more arguable, and it's got characteristics of both, but I've put it in the bad debt category for now. So there are some good things about your own home, like if you get a a reasonably or, or small personal loan or personal mortgage, you're potentially buying a property that goes up in value. Eventually, you've got to have a place to live where you don't have to pay rent and you don't have a mortgage because you're going to be paying that off. And it can also help you get started investing in property when you borrow against your own home. But Andrew, a personal mortgage, a mortgage for a house you are going to live in also has some bad debt characteristics. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing is if people go out there and buy their dream home and they take a huge personal mortgage, well, that's going to hold you back because you're going to have to make higher repayments, particularly when the interest rates go up like they are at the moment. And that's going to stop you being able to invest and actually get ahead and get some good debt. I think especially if you go out and buy a house that is nicer than you need. So going out in Auckland and spending 800 to 1.2 mil on a, a personal home, That's probably quite reasonable for most people. If you go out and buy a $3 million home because it's your ideal house and you take out a massive mortgage in order to be able to do that, that would probably swing into the bad debt category because if you take out a massive mortgage in order to do that, that's going to stop you from investing. So why is bad debt so bad? And I think the main reason is that it crowds out good debt. You see, the more bad debt you have, the less good debt you can take on because more of your income is tied up in servicing that bad debt in the backside. So to give you an example, if you have a massive car loan, you've bought an $80,000 car and you've financed the vast majority of it and you're paying back 14% interest 
over a seven-year period. You are going to find that that is going to majorly impact your ability to go and get debt for an asset that is going to go up in value because you've taken out all of this debt on a car that goes down in value. And so that's why we often think it is so bad if you've got a lot of that quote-unquote bad debt. But what we often find, and I'm sure you'll agree with me on this, Andrew, that there is a lot of bad debt out there. And I think the reason is that bad debt brings benefits forward and pushes the costs into the future. Let me give you an example. So if we take the $80,000 car I just mentioned, if you go and take out a massive load, you get the car now. And on day one, woohoo! You're very happy. Oh, I love that car. Oh, it's so beautiful. The leather seat. Smells good. Oh, they warm up when I press that little button. <laughs> now my tushy's warm. I, this know, is... I hate those. Yeah, you don't like them? Yeah, well, I'm worried, I'm worried that I wet myself. <laughs> Again. <laughs> so, it's okay. Turn it up high to evaporate. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So, you know, you feel so good that first day because you've got the benefit of the car now. And on top of that, you are not feeling the costs of that car because you are going to pay it off over time and potentially attract really high interest costs over that whole period. So the cost or the pain that you have to go through in order to purchase this isn't real right at the start, but you get the benefit straight away. And that's why we often see some investors with a lot of bad debt because it's the instant gratification generation. You're able to get something, get the benefits now, but you are going to have to pay that off over several years. And on top of that, it's going to stop you from making better financial decisions. Actually, I think I remember you making such a poor purchase at one stage, didn't you? The classic one I often think about is when I got dumped temporarily by a previous girlfriend. Don't worry, I, I sweet talked her back um, temporarily. <laughs> and to make myself feel good, I think I went out and bought a Yui Boom on a credit card when I was That's like... That's speaker, right? Yeah, 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 one of those speakers. Then went down to the tennis court and played <laughs> sad songs while was, I played tennis. Was and, that the same one that you held outside her window and played music to her to try no, and serenade her back? No, I never, I never, I never held a Yui Boom outside her window. Thank you, Andrew. But that's the reason why a lot of people, or a number of people that I meet, do have a lot of bad debts because it's rather than delaying our gratification, saving our money in order to buy something, we just want it now, and so we go and pay it on finance, and then we really pay for it later through those interest costs. But Andrew, why is some debt good? Well, think about a scenario of this. So couple, they're 50 years old and they've spent their life paying down their mortgage and all their extra money goes to the bank to get rid of that mortgage. Now, what have they got in the bank account when they get to retirement at some point? Well, they've probably got no mortgage. They've got 100K in KiwiSaver. They might have some money in sharesies, but they don't have a lot of money. And it used to be this common thinking that to have a good retirement, all you had to do is pay off your mortgage. And that was probably true, you know, 100 years ago. Pay off your mortgage and you get the New Zealand super and you'd actually be able to live a half-decent retirement. 100 years ago, the superannuation didn't exist. Okay, well, I'm just choosing a number. What number do you want me to use? 50 here? years. All right, 50 years ago. But for a couple, that's the equivalent of 42500 before tax every year. So, wait, that's the superannuation. That's superannuation. And so after you pay the tax and the rates and the insurance in your house, there's maybe $600 a week left and you can't eat your house. So you actually need to have more assets. So 
all well and good to have, you know, pay down your mortgage, but you can't do much with that equity unless you've done that while you're working and you've leveraged that property and gone out and bought an investment property, for example. I think the key thing there is that if you're going to, you know, you spend your life paying down your mortgage, but when you are thinking about building financial freedom or trying to build a passive income or living a comfortable retirement, you need some assets other than your own home. And just having 100k in KiwiSave is probably not going to be enough, even once you get the New Zealand superannuation. So you need some other assets. And the question is, how do you build those? And for a lot of investors, we talk about this in our book, Wealth Plan, which you can actually buy from bookstores at the moment. We talk about the fact that you need leverageable assets. Because if you can buy an asset where you borrow a lot of the money in order to purchase it, then any capital growth on that asset, you get to keep. You don't have to share it with the bank. Andrew, just for any new listeners of the show, give us an example of how that might work, say, a million-dollar property. So say you bought a million-dollar property and you borrowed 100%, and obviously you're probably going to be contributing towards owning that property at the moment while interest rates are high. But if that property goes up by 5%, that's $50,000 every year that that value is going up. And yes, you don't get that money until you sell that property too, but far easier to sell a rental property and take the profits than it is to sell your house. And I think the key thing there is, let's say you got 5% increase on a $1 million property, that's $50,000. To get that, you'd have to save about $1,000 a week, just under $1,000 a week. And the reason that people can make a lot of money through property is not because it's a property, but because they're borrowing money in order to purchase it. But when that the price or the value of that property goes up, they get to keep those gains. And we've often said on the show that the secret source of property is, is not property, it's, it's leverage. If there was watermelons, and watermelons went up in value and the bank would lend you money against them and the price was relatively stable and they went up over the long term and perhaps there was some rental return, if watermelons <laughs> had all of those features, we might be recommending that you invest in tropical fruit instead. But here we are talking about property. And what I do want to say is that if you are an investor and you're perhaps 50 years old or 45 years old and you've done a really good job diligently paying down your mortgage and you're thinking, well, I don't want to take out more debt or I, I don't want to have debt once I hit retirement. What I do want you to know is that the end position is to have no debt. So when we're thinking about building plans for, for investors in retirement, we're never planning on them having to pay down another mortgage while they are in retirement. One strategy is to sell your properties once you get into that kind of age where you want to stop working. Or if we're thinking about the golden goose strategy that we often talk about, in that situation, we're talking about having properties with very low debt on them or no debt at all, so that you're just able to live off the rental income. So the question is, how do you use debt strategically while you are working to build your wealth so that when you stop working, when you do decide to retire, that you have the wealth available, that you have those options? It's not about saying, I'm going to be paying off another mortgage until I'm 96. So Andrew, walk us through as well. What other concerns do people have when they're a bit reluctant to take out more debt? I think the biggest thing as people get older they are very fixated on paying down debt and, and the concern about having two mortgages to pay rather than just one mortgage being your house, that's probably the main thing that I see newbie investors struggle with. 
And I think probably the main thing that people forget there is, well, with an investment mortgage, generally speaking, that's going to be an interest-only mortgage, so it's lower in terms of payments than your personal mortgage. But also then you've got the rent coming in, and so you're just topping up usually a portion of that towards the start of owning a rental property, unless you've got a big cash deposit. And generally speaking, because of leverage, you'll end up with a much higher return through property than you will on something that gets a a higher return, but you put your own money in, for example, shares. I think for people who are right at the start of their investment journey, sometimes they think, okay, if I'm going to take out a mortgage on an investment property, I'm going to have to pay that back over 30 years. And if I'm starting when I'm 50 years old, that means I'm not going to pay that off until I'm 80. I don't want to have debt right into my 80s. But there are a couple of key points there. One, you're probably not going to pay that mortgage back because you're going to have it on interest only. And the idea is to hold the property and then eventually at some point you're going to sell it. So it's not like you are going to have to pay that mortgage off over 30 years the way you would with your own home because you are always going to need somewhere to live. So that's why you'd pay off the mortgage on your own home. But with your investment properties, you can sell them at some point to clear that debt. And so I think that's just where we need to see a couple of mindset shifts by some investors who are just starting out. Right, let's ramp it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And if you're thinking, you know what, I'd like to strategically use debt to increase my wealth, then it could be a good time to book a portfolio planning session with our team here at Opus Partners. Really easy way to do that. Just go on our website, big, big orange, get started button, click that, you'll be away laughing. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the use of the property market. Until next time, 